you know, we run a gym model that's different than CrossFit. We're not a CrossFit affiliate. I'm not trying to like reinvent anything. I'm trying to take simple variations on classic pairings. And we don't have to sell them on like, you'll, be, you'll have abs in you know, 30 days if you do these high intensity interval sessions four times a week. One of my mentors, he, he said the funniest thing once. He was like, what's your elevator pitch? Yeah. And he was like, well, I'm really not trying to get more clients. So <laughs> I just say, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be really hard. You're yeah. going to have to be really consistent. And we charge a lot of money. <laughs> the Project, the project. Kuwait. Kuwait. Learn. Learn. In this episode of The Project, we catch up with Marcus Philly of... Revival Strength. So he's a six-time CrossFit athlete that is now retired and is living somewhere in between that world of bodybuilding and CrossFit. And he's still an all-around badass. Like the guy's not only a guru in the fitness industry right now, but he also talks about life and why he kind of left the athlete side of the games to go into the business side or the real life, so to speak. And I find that like admirable and it's unbelievable. It's an amazing story and the way he describes it. And I think every athlete needs to hear it so that they can have an idea of what's going to happen later on in the future. Yeah, I think just to bring some perspective of why you do the things that you do, uh, I think is a big, big tone of this episode. So stick around, guys. And for you bodybuilders out there that are crushing the bicep curls, you may actually learn something a little new in this episode. And let us know how you feel. Leave us a rating or review on iTunes. You may win a T-shirt. Woo-hoo. All this and more in today's episode. Marcus <laughs> Philly, you can help me on this. CrossFit Games athlete, just all around badass, dude. I mean, I was looking at your numbers. And I was like, damn, you know, <laughs> so that's all I got to say. I'm at a loss for words, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, those are lifetime PRs, so they may not be current, but I still like to think I'm badass in some aspects of my well, life. Well, dude, you still got a lot of really impressive numbers up there and you've got some damn good finishes in the CrossFit Games. And, you know, I think the number one question that a lot of people that I talked to when I told them you were coming on the show, they all had was, what made you shift from CrossFit to the functional bodybuilding space? Like what, what happened? Like what was the big shift? Well, I think it's like in 10 years, this question will be a lot more clear to people like the answer and even 20 years, 30 years, if the sport continues the way it's growing. But the day Tom Brady retires, right? Yeah. So people aren't going to be like, Tom, like, why aren't you still out there just like taking snaps and getting beat in the face by, you know, 300 pound linemen. Why'd you stop that? Right. I mean, it's just so crystal clear why you stop that. You stop it because it's a sport that if it's your profession or if it's the thing that you're chasing as your number one, then it's worth getting smashed in the face by a 300 pound lineman. But if it's not your number one, then like who, who wants to go and it's not a way to approach a balanced, healthy life. Right. And now let me just be clear. I'm not talking about CrossFit as a general preparedness program for, you know, the average person who just wants to be healthy. I'm talking about the CrossFit sport driven program and methodology that heavily influenced global CrossFit trends in the box for 10 years. All right. And that is what I moved away from Mm -hmm. simply because it just wasn't my purpose and my passion and my focus anymore. I was not driven by being the, the best in the world. And that's because other things came into my life that were important. So what are some of those things that came into your life of you know, such importance, just out of curiosity, if you don't mind sharing? No, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share. I mean, it's interesting because in the last two years of competing in fitness, I started to have those things come into my life that were outside, you know, I don't want to call them pressure. They're just outside influences, outside purpose, uh, things that I was driven by that were not training five hours a day. The first one actually happened in 2015 before I retired from competing. My mom got ill. She got ill and she had uh, diagnosed with lymphoma, advanced stage. And our family was rallying behind her treatment for nine months. And that was a very full effort. And it was so clear to me that I didn't have emotional and mental bandwidth in my life to take on competing in the sport when something else important came up. I was just like, I I can't do it. You know, it's not going to happen. She got healthy. Thank God. She like recovered from her illness. Like 
treatment worked. She's been in remission since. She's still with us. That opened up this huge space in my life. And I was like, okay, I stopped competing before I was physically ready. Let me go and explore that again. And in that last year that I competed after my mom's got healthy, it was, it was hard to go back. It was hard to go back because I saw how much space opened up when I took a step back from competing. And then I saw exactly like the stark contrast. Like, okay, now I'm back in it. I'm going to the CrossFit Games again. I'm competing at the best level I've ever competed. Look at how much room it's taking up again. So since then, I started my own business. I, me and my wife have had two daughters. I got married. We bought a house. Um, and I got into my mid-30s. Yeah. So it's life. <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm kind of an adult. You know, I'm growing up. And the years of just doing the fitness all day, they might be... They're behind me. They are. Mm-hmm. Is this something that I think a lot of games athletes have recognized and talked about is just the sacrifice of longevity in sometimes the health in, in your, your joints and things when you train for that competition versus, mm-hmm. you know, just training to be able to do things in life and live a healthy lifestyle and kind of venture into, you know, some of those that you do feel like you have to put a lot of your life on hold to go through. Yeah. Again, that's one of those things that, you know, if you, what do you want? Yeah. Replace CrossFit with NBA or baseball or professional soccer or, you know, any of the professional sports, then it's like, well, duh. It's like you, you sacrifice for your job. Like, you don't enter the NFL thinking longevity. You right. enter the NFL thinking, I'm going to put five years together and hopefully bank enough money and you know create a, a future for myself right. kind of thing. Right? And, and yeah, people do it for passion, but they yeah. also do it because it's like they worked, they worked 15 years to get to the point where they could make a living doing it. Right. I think that's the hard thing for the average gym goer, the new CrossFitter, or... And maybe with the shift in how things go with the games now, but I think for them kind of getting on that page as they look at these, in the beginning, if you looked at the games, it was most people competing did have a full-time job still. They did have a family life of some kind and the competition was still still feasible. And then enter Reebok in those years and it exploded and it became like, now it's your full-time job. And exactly that aspect now of like, this takes priority and this is my professional sport. Like the average gym goer, I think seeing and knowing like a lot of these people, you know, going to the games and thinking like, oh yeah, I was doing classes with them, you know, just daily and look at how well they've done. And now thinking in order for themselves to get better and to get healthier, that they need to adopt the same type of programming and lifestyle that a, a competitive athlete is. And the same thing for like the average guy who likes to play baseball. Like Maddie, you don't follow the professional baseball players training regimen and lifestyle. And <laughs> you no, know, I tried to, that didn't get me very far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried well, to. Yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, CrossFit is a independently owned private entity and they're trying to grow a business and they have a marketing, whether there's like this really thought out strategy, or if it was just what happened with the times, the marketing strategy and how it played out for years was, hey, look, like this is a average everyday Chris. Yeah. He's got a family. He's got a wife. They live in the mountains in Utah. They have, you know, a kid on the way. They he skis and he plays outdoor sports. He wrestled in high school. He owns a gym and he's elite. And he's at the CrossFit Games and he can do world-class stuff. And so can you, right? You can be your own elite, right? And so that was when Chris Spieler was 2008 Chris Spieler, which was, I mean, he was fit for darn (laughs) sure. Like, don't get me wrong. (laughs) But 2008 Chris Spieler would not even qualify for like regionals now. Right. Whatever, like a... Those were the years that I was competing as well. Like the craziest thing was the kipping (laughs) pull-up. That's what got me excited about it. So for for six, for four or five years, that was the message, you know, it was like, you can do it all. Yeah. And, and then, you know, it was like that kind of bled into the, the 2012 to 14 range where the sport had changed. Yeah. But the message was still, you can do it all. Yeah. And then it was like 2016, 2017. And I'm in there doing it all and realizing like, this is totally not possible. Like you can't do it all and be really successful. And I was right at the cusp of that. It was like 2016, running a business, getting married, like coaching however many hours a week I was coaching, taking 12th place at the CrossFit Games. I mean, of the people that had placed at where I was at and higher on the podium, like in that top 10, I'd have to go through the list, but like 
there weren't people that were doing all of it anymore. They were predominantly full-time CrossFitters, right. athletes. Right. And Least I restrictive schedule. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. I was like, okay, so the only way for me to elevate and keep growing in this sport and stay at the top is to get rid of my other priorities and elevate how much I'm doing CrossFit. My life was going the other direction. My wife was pregnant at the games. I'm like, no, it's not going to get better. So it just had to evolve that way for me. And then of course, it's, you know, the messaging has to change too. And people need to recognize like you go and drop into the CrossFit box. Like that's not, you should never be told like, Hey, we're, we're doing this like competitive comp workout. It's like, why? I I didn't come here to compete. I came here to get healthy and fit. Right. Right. Yeah. So separating those two worlds is key. And that's kind of what drove me towards functional bodybuilding, which is like, I just want to, I want to speak to that audience who understands that they, they still want to do some like functional movement and a little bit of high intensity, but the balance has to be in favor of what's going to get you coming back tomorrow and next week and next month. And, you know, doing some of the programs that I had seen for years filter through the CrossFit boxes, that's not going to cut it. Like there's literally no way. Like if you ask that person like, Hey, are you going to be doing this in 10 years? Can you do this for 10 years? They would like, and you push them to answer the question. Honestly, they'd be like, no, like I'm doing this now because in six months I'm hoping to shed these 15 pounds and then I'm going to figure out what my long-term plan is. It's like okay. it was all short-term, like, you know, and, and that didn't get anybody anywhere because they tried too hard to get there too fast and there were too many injuries and there was too much burnout and there was not enough like real planning mm-hmm. for the future. That's a lot of the reasons uh, when we started the gyms in, in Kuwait, actually, and Circuit was kind of the first one is you had your CrossFit classes, but that's why entering in, you know, like the build class or um, just, you know, kind of a boot camp style class or like accessory work type, you know, what would be considered accessory work in the CrossFit world, which is yeah. just general yeah. strength work that most people need. <laughs> um, you know, we start putting in these supplemental the classes, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what has to happen. Yeah, so by putting those in, because you find people with the... The burnout. And most people, I can say, even looking back at CrossFit Omaha, most people that started around the same time that I have, they've, you know, it's been waves of like venturing off and a lot have gone into like, you know, powerlifting or, you know, a bodybuilding or something. It's just that sustaining that for that long a time. We'll always jump back in, you know, with each other and have a fun workout and it's more community-based and things like that. But definitely um, long-term, like we just couldn't keep going in that kind of elitist way that it had it had kind of yeah, started out in. Once it became something that you could compete in, then it will continue to evolve mm-hmm. to where every other professional sport has gone, which right. is something that is only for the select few people that are working for a high performance life. Right. And that's not what most people have to offer, you know? Right. So, a quick question about stateside. I mean, is CrossFit? dying. We, me and Meg talked about this, you know, a week ago in like our last episode. And one of my predictions was the death of CrossFit, that it's slowly starting to die and taper off. And much of that is from what you guys were saying, you know, 2011, 2012 were different times. And right now it's flat, was reported as flat in the States. And it looks like it's flat internationally right now. So what's your predictions for it? I think what CrossFit has done in bringing mixed modal fitness to mainstream is it's one of those things where it's like that needs to be recognized and we need to pay kind of respect to that for forever because that's like it's truly changed how training looks right like i yeah 90 plus percent of the stuff that i do wouldn't be in existence if they don't do anything you know like which change things in the messaging and the delivery yeah i don't i don't believe that 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 deliverable of crossfit affiliate name you know, and the, the level of education that was out there then is going to sustain the affiliate owner for another five to 10 years. People are going to be like, I can't, what do I do with this? I need more, more. My clients are asking for more. They need more from me. So it is just a matter of like, well, what do they want it to become? And I don't think the sport, I think it's going to be an international sanctioned Olympic sport probably within the next five years in some there's there's the international federation for functional fitness that's already kind of developing its own governing bodies to try and get bids into the olympics so and when they open up gyms it's going to be the influence of crossfit in these last 10 years that got them there 
but they probably won't put CrossFit on their door. They probably won't affiliate. They're going to they're gonna call it whatever they want to call it. And it's, um, but it's going to be in designs yeah. for gyms that are opening up that are called, not called CrossFit. CrossFit. And what's in their gym? <laughs> Rogue Fitness, barbells, kettlebells, yeah. assault bikes. Yeah. They're doing thrusters, they're doing it, but they're just not calling it that. So, you know, it's CrossFit's going to live on. And if they're smart and they, you know, can pivot and then they can provide good education and they can provide great customer support to the affiliate owners, um, then there's, a, I think there's a real chance. Or maybe they just say like, that's not their model anymore. That affiliates, like the growth of affiliates is not what they want, but they can keep their name in the mix by licensing it out in other ways or, or maybe, you know, re-engaging in the sports side of it. I'm not sure. Yeah. I think the decline of affiliates in the States, that's something that's been evident even, you know, when I first got over into CrossFit and we talked about that and that was more so like, you know, you had, you know, were turned onto it. It made a big impact in their lifestyle and they wanted to open their own gym. And now they are the the gym owner. They have a family, they're doing the programming, they're doing the coaching. And there's just mostly a lot of burnout um, that led to the end of a lot of affiliates, I think more so than, you know, anything else. But yeah, I do like that perspective that it definitely has brought back. I mean, yeah, look at what Rogue, you see them everywhere in non-CrossFit facilities, the gymnastic rings, bringing that back. I mean, a lot of appreciation for sports that have been around forever. Company like Rogue has played it so well. They like, they became the equipment manufacturer for CrossFit, but they diversified enough to have their hands in Everything. everything now. And so they will continue to support that, you know, that audience out there that wants to open up a gym and you know, we run a gym model that's different than CrossFit. You know, we're not a CrossFit affiliate. Revival Strength is a, you know, apart from an online educator and program program company and coaching company, we have a box, a brick and mortar where we have 75 members that come in that are on individual programs. So we have an individual design model, which is very much uh, the influence and the support and direction of my coaches down at OPEX Fitness. So we're running an approach where, you know, every, I'm looking out on the gym floor right now and there's about 10 people, which means there's 10 different programs happening out there. Each one customized for that client's, you know, what their needs are, what their goals are within fitness. So, you know, we don't have three people doing, you know, barbell thrusters and burpees at the same time. But, you know, there's still some mixed modal going on out there. There's still right. some, some hints of CrossFit for certain people. But those people that don't need to be doing it, you know, they aren't. I got somebody doing step ups. I got someone doing ring rows. This person's riding the biker. This person's doing front squats. This person's, you know, so it's like, right. it looks like a functional training gym. There's just not one instructor coaching 10 people at the same time. Right. And it's not one on one. You're not doing personal training right. there. Is it each person is kind of responsible yeah, yeah, for their program? Yeah. Like self responsibility. Exactly, yeah. And yeah. So yeah. there's a coach that's circulating to make sure everyone's taken care of. But right. And people have, you know, their written programs that are on a whiteboard, a personal whiteboard that, you know, is dependent upon their level of fitness, right? right. So someone who's someone who's wants to compete in mixed modal fitness competitions, they might be doing muscle ups today. And then, you know, Jim, who doesn't really he just wants to lose some weight, you know, he's he's pushing a sled and he's riding a salt bike and that's it. Yeah. I love that. So now So do you so oh sorry, go ahead, Maddie. No, I was just gonna ask, do you have other programs that people can purchase online? sort of cookie cutter programs also? Or is it all personalized? Pers- the personalized coaching is kind of our upper tier service that we offer. So if people want to... Yeah, if they want to get coaching from us, that's where they go. If people are looking to just explore and experiment with functional bodybuilding training principles, we have got a variety of different online training programs that they can purchase or you know, eight-week programs, 12-week programs... Uh, some like a monthly subscription type thing. So there's there's options to get involved and to try it out. And then a number of those people will, you know, come back to us and say, hey, this was really good coaching or really good training. I'd like to get some coaching to go with it and a more personalized program. That's amazing. And you offer a lot of good content on your uh, Instagram page. I mean, a lot of it's... I love the content, to be honest with you. I mean, I've been following you for a while and it's so functional and so core driven, in my opinion, that, you know, it's something that, any average person could follow for a while and then jump into the other programs that you probably offer. Sorry. Yeah, that was always kind of the message and the and the mission was to provide as much usable, you know, content as possible. And um that was sort of what I did when I was an athlete and I was competing was 
showcase the training principles I was using in a way that was digestible for people that followed. Granted, I put up a lot of like my competitor workouts that I did, but people also got a mixture of some of the training concepts that I used to support that, which was oftentimes not super sexy and not super like high advanced and you know difficult. It was just like, this is what I really do every day to, to make me better. And it's like assault bike and crawling and you know doing kneeling presses and stuff like that. And nowadays, that's kind of what, how we drive our social my, my social media pages. You know, me and a couple people on my team here, we we like have dedicated you know content sessions where we film stuff and we put together training concepts for people to see that are reflective of what are in our training programs, what I'm working on currently, what feels like authentic, and then hey, you want to try a functional bodybuilding leg workout, or you want to do these, these are four exercises that can help if you have knee pain, or you can work around knee pain, or here's five movements that will help you prep your shoulders for training using just one band. And by showing that stuff, people obviously are like, oh, I'll try that. I'll try that. I'll try that. And then, okay, let me try a program from you. Okay. Let me try coaching from you. Yeah. Where did the innovation come from? Because you have some movements that are pretty innovative that I've seen. So how do you come about, you know, creating some of these movements? Where does the inspiration come from besides the CrossFit, bodybuilding, functional theme? Like, how do you think of this stuff, man? (laughs) Just to pick your brain a little bit. Yeah, that's sort of like, well, one, I look at Instagram a lot. (laughs) Right? I just look at what other people are doing. And so there's like just the creative inspiration that I get from seeing stuff out in the world. And I'm looking at, people that are training animal flow to yogis, to kettlebell people, to Olympic lifters and gymnasts. And, you know, so just got to like kind of take a a sample of a lot of different stuff. Then I overlay that in my mind with like, okay, well, the training that I've been doing for years is really this like, you know, in in CrossFit and even prior to that, it was like, what are the movement patterns that we train and how do we pair up movement patterns in strength conditioning programs that dates back to like bodybuilding training splits and, you know, good push pull complementary movement patterns that pair well within trainings. So you can get a great dose response when you're in the gym and you can be efficient with your time. Right. I mean, CrossFit was like the ultimate efficient, like 2159 of thrusters and pull-ups, right. That's a squat and a pull done in high intensity. It's very potent. Right. But even doing front squats with strict pull-ups that's been done for years, that's a squat and a pull. And doing front squats with tempo and pull-ups under tempo, that's bodybuilding principles. And then if I want to take those patterns, those fundamental patterns, and add some creativity to it or some something that basically changes the pattern enough that it feels new to the brain, then I start to think about some of the stuff I see in like the in Instagram and then just like, okay, well, I'm doing a front squat. Why don't, why don't I just hold kettlebells? in the bottoms up position and do front squats. What does that do? How does that change things? Mm-hmm. When I do when I do pull-ups, what if I, you know, what if I did pull-ups where instead of pulling my chin vertically, I just pulled it to one side and touched my chin to my knuckles. Mm-hmm. So it's like a like a single arm kind of bias side to side pull-up and I'm not trying to like reinvent anything. I'm trying to take simple variations mm-hmm. on classic pairings and those simple variations do a couple things. One there's you know, with CrossFit, we all got addicted to this idea of variety, right? Oh, it's constantly varied, you know? But when variety starts to become random, then we get into issues of not seeing progress and having, you know, too much muscle confusion or whatever that was called, right? <laughs> so instead of doing just random, let's let's stick to the, the fundamental patterns and let's add simple variations, loading, loading position, uh, unilateral versus bilateral, adding in elements of rotation because there's not a lot of rotational movements in CrossFit. Yeah. So then I'm just taking like these concepts and things that I see. I saw somebody do some cool animal flow thing, but that animal flow thing with a kettlebell in my hand, that's a great press exercise. And that goes well with deadlifts because deadlifts and pushing work well together. So it's like adding a couple new dry spices to the same old recipe that you've been cooking for years and it yeah. tastes different, but it's still yeah. chicken. <laughs> it's still beef, you know? And that's kind of how I've, I've wanted to say, I'm like, I'm not trying to, you know, 
make a new like uh, veggie burger or like you know the ultimate what what's the new <laughs> the impossible I'm not trying to make the impossible burger I'm yeah. just trying to take you know the meat and put some new seasoning on it so that it 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 really engages people and I saw Dave Dave Lipson put up a study the other day where it was like people that followed like two different groups following eight week hypertrophy plans and one group followed basically like just a very linear progression with the same four exercises. And then this group followed like the same kind of general volume progression, but they changed exercises every week in the same movement pattern. And the results were the same for the people that were successful in completing it. But the group that had more variety had more people stick to it and actually finish it because they were more interested in what they were doing. So I'm like, and then his point was like, like, Hey, the, like the perfect program is like with these, you know, my functional bodybuilding programs, there is that like newness and excitement factor of seeing a split squat in 10 different ways over the course of 12 weeks because you change the kettlebell, the dumbbell, the front rack, the back rack, the deficit, the rear foot, the, you know, it's always different each week, but it's still a split squat. So you're still doing single leg training. Yeah. There's huge benefits as far as, yeah, the brain goes and neuroplasticity with that. Some of the studying, if you're talking like the animal flow and some of those goofy type movements. I got into that, that world pretty heavy, uh, after CrossFit and Yosef Rusek was fighting monkey research. I don't know if you've come across no. any of his stuff. If you get a chance to look oh. into that, you're going to find some fun things that'll probably, um, spark some creativity for some of your movements. Um, but a similar study of the step, here's what the routine is and broke it down. And then another group where it was just full speed demo and they had to just figure it out and struggle. Mm. And the group that struggled in the beginning far outperformed the other group when it came to learning more complex patterns and more like problem solving, you know, situations and then just movement complexity in, in the end. So yeah, it's, we get really obsessed, I think with our alignment and our straight lines and our traditional exercises that we know, but getting outside of that and making those little tweaks and things, I think are just huge benefits as far as just brain, brain neuroplasticity goes outside of just the, you know, the physical benefits that you're actually after in building muscle. So that's cool to hear that you play with that. Who's been like influential coaches, I guess, for you? Or who do you continue to learn from? Or how do you continue your education? <clears throat> oh, that's a great question. I would say that the coaches that I've learned from directly and indirectly over the past 15 years were kind of started with like learning mostly about kind of nutrition from John mm, Berardi. Yeah. And then kind of looking at training programs from yeah. Charles Polican, and then getting a little bit of Paul Check, and then getting... CrossFit, mm-hmm. so Greg Glassman. And then it was James Fitzgerald, yeah. OPEX Fitness. And then it was Mike Lee of OPEX Fitness, who was uh, the head coach and sort of director of training for a period of time there. And he coached me up until I was a, uh, retired from competing CrossFit or left, you know, I stopped competing there. And then currently I've been coached for the past year by Sam Smith, who's another OPEX Fitness coach. And he's still very much focused on coaching competitive fitness athletes and I started working with him when I was thinking about being a master's competitor because I'm 35 now in CrossFit and just decided that that wasn't the route I wanted to go, but I still learn a lot from Sam. And then I backed out and I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm learning a lot from kind of back to learning from John Berardi, what he's doing with Precision Nutrition. And I was fortunate to have him on as a podcast guest recently and just got re-inspired by some of you know, seeing like, okay, 20 years later from like the first time I read an article of his to now, what is, what's happened for him. And so looking at like other people in the fitness industry and what they've been able to create as like, you know, lasting legacies and just getting really curious about what is somebody who's been in there for 15 or 20 years, what are they talking about? You know, and it's interesting that many of them are not talking about like the cutting edge stuff and like research, they're like, they're just talking about basic fundamental movements and behaviors and skills that people need to have to be successful. So that is like, not to say that I'm at that stage in my career, because I'm still growing. But it's like, I want to know, like, what am I going to be talking about in 10 years? It's like, I'm going to be talking about the stuff that I was talking about week one. But I just coming back to it with 20 years of experience of seeing that like, this is really what matters for people. So I'm very, you know, I, I guess that's kind of what gets me excited lately because I'm, you know, I'm not training like my training is, and I think what's always attracted the audience or my audience to me is that just like they resonate with something about my approach to fitness, sustainable fitness, like staying in great shape, 
like having a good physique, like being able to do, you know, badass stuff in the gym. And I'm still doing all that. And I, I literally am training like five hours a week, maybe right. six, you know, that's it tops. And I ride my mountain bike and I run a business and I have a family and I, I eat actually better than I ever did when I was like a, an athlete, a CrossFit athlete. Like, and I'm, so what am I dedicating to and what's really creating, you know, the ability for me to sustain some of this fitness, even when it's not my full-time profession. Right. It is funny to listen to you talk about, um, you know, how we always kind of come back to the basics and it is one of our other predictions, I think for 2020 and someone had put out there was, uh, you know, it's just going to be the same shit, different packaging basically. <laughs> and it's, if you look at like a lot of the diets, a lot of the fitness things it is recycled and kind of called it a different name yeah. and a different thing, but nobody really is, I'd say creating a whole lot of new things these days. I think it's more discovery, you know, and going back and kind of looking at what were the the common themes and the common patterns of the months. Like what, what, what came before, you know, like when CrossFit was there, it's like, what came before, you know, when bodybuilding was there, what came before, you know, and kind of looking at these common themes that all these different sports and, and outlets have. So I think it's always a great question to ask when you get into something is, you know, what inspired this? Yeah. And I think that um, we can't ignore the fact that like there's, there's something a bit broken in the fitness industry in terms of what actually people are buying, what there's, you know, what sells, right. People are getting sold solutions and fixes to their problems that are relatively fast. And it's like, so if it looks sexy and if it looks like it can happen quickly, people want to buy it. Yeah. And that's been happening for yeah. quite some time. And that's, it's still very, it's still very embedded in the culture. And so one of like the things that I've been, you know, it's been a mission of mine is like, okay, well, we know what's going to work for somebody long-term, but it's not sexy. Mm -hmm. And it's far too simple for them to actually believe that that's what they need because they've been sold so true. that more advanced and harder and higher intensity and, you know, more whatever do and complicated things is what's going to get them there. So it's like, okay, how do we make the simple thing sexy again? How do I make doing tempo split squats with a band around my knee yeah. and some kneeling presses with a landmine? How do I make yeah. that super sexy? That's to me, like probably in the three years since I released my first functional bodybuilding program is the thing that I feel most proud of is that I mean, I took my shirt off for a bunch of Instagram videos and pictures. I certainly had somebody write some really good copy for a sales page. But at the end of the day, I've had, a I've had several thousands of people go through a program where the first day of training is bench press with dumbbells and prone rows with dumbbells and ring rows and push-ups at tempo yep. and then a not-for-time conditioning piece. and that catapulted functional bodybuilding. So it was like, holy shit, you know, people that were just addicted to the high speed, muscle up, fast paced craze bought into doing simple stuff. They right. really bought into it and it worked and it made them feel different. And that they told their friends and their friends told their friends. And then they all came back and got coaching from us. And so it's not impossible to really get people bought into simple. We just have to be consistent with that message and we have to really believe that we can do that for clients and and we don't have to sell them on like you'll be you'll have abs in you know 30 days if you do this this these high intensity interval sessions four times a week right that makes sense now so what would you consider of your your sexy sales pitch if you had to explain it in like one sentence what is it that you do that probably grabs them a little bit but you know still holds true to what you actually do I don't say anything. I literally Is just it, yeah. post pictures and okay. <laughs> no, but my one of my mentors, he's he, he said the funniest thing once. He was like, "What's your elevator pitch?" Yeah, and he was like, "Well, I'm really not trying to get more clients, so <laughs> I just say, you know, it's uh, it's going to be really hard. Yeah. You're going to have to be really consistent, and we charge a lot of money. <laughs> so if you, in, you can come. And that like, is I'm in." <laughs> Almost being pushed away, people are like, "Wait, that's, I want that's, that." That's yeah. been my twenty twenty sales pitch. Like, so Marcus, yep. like, how do I, you know, how do I get better? I'm like, well, you can't handle no it. <laughs> no, there's gonna be no days off, and it's really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. I got a quick question. I mean, Kuwait being Kuwait, we're like the bodybuilding capital of the world. I mean, you know, every everyone here is a bodybuilder. We got some of the best gyms in the world. We get some of the best bodybuilders coming over here. 
but yet we still see the common theme of the bro split. That's you know way past due. What would you say to the bodybuilders to get into the functional side of it and the functional movement side of it? If that you know if that makes any sense, because they're still doing what I was doing, you know, maybe 15 years ago. And it's just, you know, the stuff we saw in muscle mags that just didn't work. Well, I mean, for the bodybuilders, the stuff in the muscle mags kind of did work because they were on a bunch of gear and they were just... Yeah, I mean, take the gear out of it. Take the gear out of it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, So, well, yeah, I mean, it's like muscle mag workouts were written, you know, they're far too much for people to be doing, but you know, bodybuilding splits, like they still work, you know, it's just a matter of like, what's the goal. And I think that nowadays people really want to look, they still want to look good. Like that's a primary motivator for more than, I don't even know how many, you know, almost there's, there's zero people that come to the gym. Like, I don't give a shit how I look. I don't know. I don't want to be fat. You know, it's like, no, they want to come and look good. Right. And then on top of that, more and more and more people want to, they want to feel they like, they, they truly believe they can feel better in their bodies, right? Like mm-hmm. we're getting sicker and stiffer and more sedentary and just further from like our, our DNA, what we're yeah. supposed to be doing. And they know that there's been enough talk of functional movement and you know functional training for long enough that there's this belief that they can be more functional and feel better and look better. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the angle in it's like you you can't get somebody to switch what they're doing if they believe they're having the most success that they can have. And so somebody who's like on the climb of CrossFit, right? They just joined CrossFit and they're in the first two year honeymoon phase and they're just, they're just getting better. It's like, I'm not going to go and talk to them and be like, dude, you need to stop that. Come do my thing. Cause they're going to be like, screw you. I'm doing great. Right. And same thing with a bodybuilder, someone who's just getting those like beginner gains in the gym and they're getting a pump and they're, they put on their first couple few pounds of muscle and they, they're adding more plates or more, you know, they move the, the, the thing down the pin, the pin on the stack is a little lower and they're getting more, they're fine. It's the per- person that's starting to feel like achy. They're feeling like, man, it's, it's like a lot of work to just get a little bit further in this. And I, and I feel like my knees hurt and my shoulders hurt. And it's not as much fun as it used to be. Yeah. Or it's not so much yeah. fun as it used to be. Or like, I don't feel like I can even get can't go walk a mile. Like the people that just like recognize that their cardio is terrible and they're like, Oh my God, I'm out of breath. And sometimes that just takes them like trying out like something different, a workout that's different, like, Whoa. And then for those people, then it's like, well, you don't have to do this like big departure from like bodybuilding to CrossFit. It's like, there's something in the middle, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to be like all in on one side or the other. That's kind of where I'm sitting. And that's yeah. like, okay, well come try this workout. We do some hypertrophy. We do some pump stuff. And then we do some, you know, functional movement, mixed modal stuff and give that a try. I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Jeff Cavalier. I caught on to his stuff a while back, kind of when I got back into bodybuilding years ago. And that's when I was like, all right, you know, this whole functional movement thing, I actually felt a lot better doing some of the movements that I picked up from him because it was just, you move better and you feel better. And when I tried introducing it to some of the bodybuilder friends that I had, and, you know, mainly to break some plateaus, because I broke all my plateaus, you know, when I started introducing the different movements into there, you know, you use different muscles. So would you see that as a gateway of breaking plateaus of just kind of switching up the programming a little bit to something that's more of a functional style, adding that rotational movement in there to build up, you know, more of that core stability? Yeah, sure. I mean, absolutely. Yes to that question. And the idea of the, the notion that there are plateaus for people is also something that I think has got to shift over the, you know, in the future. It's like, you know, I don't think there's like this, I mean, there's not a, an endless growth curve to follow. It's like, I'm always going up. You know, it's like, I plateaued. Uh, how do I get back on the upward swing? There's like, you know, we all follow this kind of curve where at some point, you know, gains are minimal yeah. to non-existent. And we're actually just fighting against age and age and decline. Time. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. You know, it's like, so when does that actually kick in for people? And every three years you need a plateau busting switch up to your routine. It's like, is that what you need? Or do you need to like really latch onto something that you can do for a long time and then get reconnected to what your purpose is? Mm-hmm. Right. Because I find more fulfillment in coming in and working hard in the gym than I do out of coming in and seeing the numbers go up. 
Like I, I want to come in and work hard. And I know that most people feel that way because when they get injured, they don't give a shit about PRing. They're just like, I just want to move again. Yep. Yeah. They're not like, I need to get back on my gains. It's like, no, they need to get back in the gym and just feel that good move, that effort. Yep. So that's also this cultural thing that, you know, CrossFit has definitely pushed in a kind of a negative direction. My opinion is that like, we're all com- concerned with the whiteboard and the PR and the, and the number. And it's like, but in reality, we're just trying to get people to like be consistent enough to give the effort that creates the, the endocrine nervous system adaptation that makes them feel alive so that they can maybe go out and, and, and figure out their purpose. And CrossFit became people's purpose for many years. And then when they lost love and passion with it, because they got injured or they got burnt out or they just couldn't keep up with the Joneses anymore, they're like, what am I doing in my life? I don't have any purpose. It's like, yes, because you're just focused on that the whole time. And it wasn't paying your bills and it wasn't your passion. It wasn't your vocation or like it wasn't your like thing. It was just like your exercise routine took over everything. Right. Anyway, that's, that's a big tangent yeah. to go down, but that, that's, it speaks a hundred percent to me. Rabdo was, I ended up with that and that was the end of the fun of, of CrossFit early for me. Um, and then I focused solely on the, the Olympic lifting. And then even that, you know, kind of got bored too. of like squat cycles. I'm just like, Jesus, another squat cycle to get like five more pounds on the bar. Like this is dull. <laughs> what else can I do? And that's where it entered in, you know, like the Edo portal and then, and the fighting monkey research and all that kind of stuff and became a little yeah. bit more curious of what you can do. But, um, I did like pointing out the, the plateaus as well. And so I'm just curious because sometimes, you know, plateau, maybe it's not even, it's not even the program itself. You know, there's a lot of other things that go on in people's lives. It can be, you know, stress and relationships and things outside of the gym or nutrition and stuff. So is there any kind of support you give to your clients or how do you kind of, uh, you know, differentiate, I guess, when there is a, they're feeling that, that area of it, what kind of support do you give outside of the the physical stuff? Yeah. I mean, that's why we gravitated towards an individual design model so that when our clients, you know, our clients are being supported in just their lives. So training, stress, nutrition, like we get to know what's really happening with our people. And, and because they're working one-to-one with a coach, somebody to kind of keep tabs on them and, and follow their, their journey. Um, and so it looks different for each person. You know, it's like we help people trace back, like, well, what is the obstacle right now to your progress and towards your goal, whatever that goal might be. And if it's physical, great, let's focus on the physical. If it's nourishment, let's focus on that. If it's, you know, your relationships and your, your close relationships, let's focus on that. Or let's point you in a direction to some resources that can help you. Um, yeah. That's a viewpoint that I think is just... Yeah, really important when it comes to coach client relationship. It's something in in Kuwait when you talk about people being drawn into those, you know, sexy quick programs and and you think of the disposable income is a lot better over there, right? For people to be able so they see these programs like that, they're very quick to draw into those. But there's a lot of those outside things. And that's something that I think is just lacking a little bit in the coach client relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is easy for coaches to get clients real easy, but not focusing on the maybe some of those other aspects of it. I don't know, Maddie, what would you kind of agree on that? There's kind of the reason we started this venture was to hold some accountability, I think, within the coaching realm. 100%. We have like the biggest group of snake oil salesmen. And it's not just in the fitness <laughs> industry. It's all up in Kuwait. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's still running rampant in the fitness industry here in Kuwait. It's just the old gimmicky stuff that you guys saw in the United States, I'd say five or six years ago or 10 years ago, is happening over here. And it's I slowly see the class model starting to die out here in Kuwait. And everyone's got a PT, sort of what everyone was going through before the economic crisis in 2008. Like a lot of people had PTs, personal trainers were a big thing. That's what it is right now. And I don't know when it's going to die over here, but it's nowhere near the level of the United States. I guess as far as like people, some kind of personal responsibility on them. Are there any kind of assessments or things that you could throw their way of maybe kind of figuring out some strength needs or some program needs or something that kind of draws them in a little closer to the functional side of things? Like you mentioned some of the aches and pains that they're experiencing. So what are some maybe assessments to see like if a little shift in what they're doing might be be a good idea? I've never really utilized like putting an assessment out to people to help like clue them into the fact that they need something different. But it's an interesting concept because like typically someone come to us, like they're experiencing pain, they're experiencing Mm -hmm. burnout, they're not excited about what they're doing. And that is what gets them 
started down this thinking of like, okay, I, I need to work with a coach. And then we provide them with like a physical assessment that exposes just different things that maybe they didn't yeah. realize that they had deficits in or that they were strong in or so forth. So we, we do a lot of physical assessments with our new clients. And, you know, there's some, these are just like classic assessment protocols and principles that have probably been around for decades, you know, when they're just looking at how do people move, you know, their body weight and external loads in the classic movement patterns that I kind of alluded to earlier. And do they do so in a balanced way? So, you know, somebody who's like a higher level athlete who has been doing barbell lifting, we'll put them through, you know, five or six barbell lifts. And then we have like comparison numbers, like, well, relative to your back squat, these, this is where these numbers should be at. If you've been training in a somewhat balanced way, like this is what an anatomically kind of neutral balanced person can do from research and evidence of high performers and and they often see that and they're like, wow, I didn't realize I was so limited in this or I never trained that. I didn't even know I should be training that. And so it's good to kind of see like a, what a balanced assessment can look like for some people. Yeah. Do you do any coaching as well for, I guess, people kind of making the same transition as what you did, you know, from the, the competitive CrossFit side, or is it mostly just people after their, their general health and wellness or? I would say the, the bulk of our online remote coaching clients are people that have kind of made the transition away from CrossFit and are looking at like, how do I train for long, you know, lifestyle, train lifestyle based upon what I'm doing. So they have some CrossFit experience. They maybe did one of my online training programs and now they want to, you know, get some personal coaching in that. Okay, cool. One of my um, good friends, Rebecca, she started with me in Kuwait. She's out in um, Dubai now. And she's kind of curious about that. She was a competitor as well. And she's kind of in the transition now. She's transitioning from the fitness world into some ad work. And so I know she's a big fan of yours, but she did have one question she wanted me to ask you as well. Okay. Um, she really struggles with her ponytails and double unders. And she was curious about your preference of hairstyles when you <laughs> <laughs> work out. <laughs> That's a good question. How do you keep your hair back? <laughs> I use hair ties for guys. Okay. They're... The company's called The Long Hairs, and they just send me these things, and they're right. kind of stylish. I triple knot that sucker back there. All right. <laughs> a, low, a low pony. A low pony. All right. That's the key. Yeah. Cool. I think that's a lot of good information for anybody who's, like you said, after the general health or maybe making that transition from competitive lifestyle or even just that high-intensity, cortisol-driven yeah. <laughs> workout lifestyle into yes. something more functional. No, Maddie, did it, you have anything else? Yeah, no, it's definitely something that I was looking at. I mean, looking at your page, it's like, all right, when I step away from CrossFit, I'm probably going to do a lot of this stuff just to keep that sort of feeling of intensity there because you'll get it through some of those movements. That's what I loved about it. Like scrolling through your page, I'm like, my cousin said to me last week, he's like, you should ditch CrossFit, you know, go back to bodybuilding. And I was like, eh, not yet. I'll give it another like six months or a year. <laughs> so I'll be coming your way sooner or later, man. <laughs> well, and, and and also keep in mind that like we have plenty of CrossFit athletes that we coach too. And, you know, we, we just, we also like to help keep people in the game longer by just thinking about how do you thoughtfully periodize your training over a year? If you really want to keep doing competitive, like do the open every year. Um, mm -hmm. You don't need to be following the comp, you know, the competitor training program, you know, 12 months out of the year, you can, you can do some things that really can build you a good foundation in the off season. It makes sense. Smart. Yeah. It makes yeah. total sense. So Meg, you got anything else? No, I'm good. Do you want to end with a little rapid fire? Yeah. Oh, wait, the uh, gut check. The, oh. yeah, you recently ran a uh, gut check challenge. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So the gut check challenge is simply a, um, it's sort of my nutrition challenge that's focused less on, you know, what to eat and what not to eat and more on, you know, principles of like good food quality and food hygiene. So sort of like the how you're supposed to eat things to optimize your gut function and your gut health and, you know, giving simple but very potent guidelines on what to do for a period of 30 to 40 days to really investigate how you're actually interacting with your food. So in an age of uh, several years where people have been really focused on the numbers and the macros and um, not so much on exactly what, what the relationship to their food is like, trying to shift that balance a little bit and just educate people in an experiential way, which is kind of how I've always approached these online training programs or challenges is to sort, sort of say like, well, do this and you'll learn something about yourself. Um, and those questions then spark curiosity, which then goes into like, okay, well, the next step is to get some coaching on that. And we'll 
will help you dive even further. I like that. I've done a few gut health talks and it's called gut check is what I've uh, labeled those. I like that. It's definitely yeah. something that's I'm glad is catching on a little bit more in the nutrition world and taking a little focus on, yeah, yeah. off of what to eat and more of, yeah, exactly that. You know, how, yeah. what is the relationship around it? So that's smart. Totally. Yeah, no, that's I awesome. Like that. So yeah, we usually like to end with a little rapid fire. So Mike, okay. do you want to do this or you want me to do it? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So what would you rather be a barbell or a jump rope? Jump rope. Ooh, that's it. That's that's a surprising one. Why? I'm curious, man. Oh, it's just fast. You're so much faster. All right. Oh, fast, that's a, that's a good one. fast and enduring. All right. Nice. Live in a gym or a submarine? Gym. Gym. Okay. All it's right. an easy one, Maddie. Oh, so hey, easy. Hey, but living in a gym your whole life, what if there are no windows? Yeah. Then you'd be in a submarine. Sub- submarine. Well, yeah, <laughs> a submarine. You might have like those little <laughs> windows, those the little water. windows. <laughs> you could go above water. I'm, ab- I'm above water. That's that's the key. <laughs> All right. Uh, vegan or carnivore for the rest of your life? For the rest of my life? Yeah. Like, what, if carnivore, had, if, I just get to eat meat? Yeah. If yeah. you had to choose one, vegan or carnivore for the rest of your life? Probably vegan. All right. Yeah. Just because there's more variety. That's what I said too. I love meat, but I'm like, yeah, more variety for sure. I don't want to not eat meat. That's for sure. (laughs) This one's a little weird. Uh, Being alien or bacteria? I mean, (laughs) I feel like an alien. I don't know what... What that entails. (laughs) (laughs) My thinking is that if there's an alien life force or life out there, it's like, they're going to be kind of like humans. So I feel like it just might be us. (laughs) Valid point. All right, la- last one. Eat mushrooms or nuts? Oh, nuts! Nuts, nuts from seeds. All yeah. right, that's awesome. Yeah. That's it. Do you have any anything you want to leave for Kuwait listeners or anything? No, I just yeah. please go to my website revival strengthcom and get on my newsletter. And awesome. Send out training programs and free samples for people to try out and give a little taste of what functional bodybuilding is all about. Awesome. Awesome. Amazing. You send out weekly information with that or? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, Thank you so much, both of you for making this happen. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at the Project Kuwait. Thank you. And join us next time.